I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have, you do have Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the Sick Little Creations. And you can find that on Redbubble, and also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi, everybody. This is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, the podcast all about music. Today is going to be part one of an episode that's really discussing news stories, things that have happened recently, etc. Um, and my apologies, because this has, for, for a couple things, first off, this has been a long time coming. I got totally bogged down with work and didn't get the chance to record either of these episodes I had promised them a while back but then got totally swamped with work and number two thing that I'm apologizing for is apologies if my voice either sounds weird at any point or if I'm talking my volume is really weird I my sinuses have been acting up a bit so my throat at least feels okay so voices probably sound a little bit normal but my uh hearing is a bit clogged so as a result so hearing's a bit off so I can't always judge just how loud I'm talking at different points or just how things sound. So before we get into all that though, I have a Facebook page it's called Groupie and Harmony. Be sure to give that a like because I post on there with any updates about the podcast or my music blog, Feeling Groupie. My most recent post was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame freshman, an annual post discussing uh, the artists who are eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time. This year is a really interesting year. Um, so you definitely want to check that out because I don't consider there to be any locks for first, for out of first year eligibility. And part of that is because, so the three that feel most likely, one of them is probably going to get nominated, uh, but isn't a lock. And the other two, I'm not sure if are eligible, they're eligible yet. So be sure to check that out to see, see those ones and see all sorts of artists who are eligible and see why some of those artists I'm not sure if they're eligible especially because two big names that I would think would be nominated otherwise and be on the lookout for a post coming out in the next week which is going to be a holiday themed one um I haven't I don't usually discuss the holidays on these on these podcasts in particular because a lot of the times I struggle to come up with a topic that isn't incredibly gimmicky but for this one I figure that I come up with a blog post that I'm going to do related to that so especially because currently Hanukkah um, at the time of recording Christmas and Kwanzaa are both coming up and there's a lot of other holidays in the area too so there's going to be a post related to music and the holidays so be sure to check that out and then I also have another Facebook page from a basketball blog is Baller Trademarked yet so um, I am in the process of working on one post that's some early season uh, 
some early season observations. My, I, after Brittany Griner was released from prison, I also had a post related to her release from prison. Um, I had another post that was related to a bunch of different controversies that happened in the NBA and how winning can impact a lot of these. I'm cons- There might also be another post because there's two things in particular that I do want to write at least a tiny bit about, which is uh, the Phoenix Suns being sold and also the um, Damian Lillard breaking the Portland Trailblazers all-time scoring leader. I want to do something related to both of those. I'm not quite sure yet. So be on the lookout for a potential post about that. I'm also going to have another post related to trade season coming out. And then um, be on the lookout not long afterwards for WNBA free agency. So it's going to be a bunch of posts in the next uh, month or two. So be on the lookout for all those. Now, uh, for today's episode, there's a lot that I want to talk about with news stories. I'm going to... I know normally I do two-minute news stories. Some of these will be longer than two minutes. Some of them I will limit myself to two minutes. Uh, But the first one that I do want to discuss is... uh, is an ongoing story. And uh, that one is a developing story, which is uh, related to... uh, um, to a crowd crush uh, at a concert in London. So, um, at an Asake concert, who uh, is an Afrobeat star, um, that happened on December 15th. Um, what happened was, at this show, um, there were people who, uh, cr- um, who, broke in, who broke the doors into the venue and 3,000 people crashed the, uh, crashed, crashed the show. And, uh, ended up uh, injuring several people. Two individuals have died so far. Uh, the first was um, one uh, one 33-year-old mother of two who passed away, and then uh, one uh, 23-year-old security provide uh, security guard at the provider at the at the show. Um, both passed away with uh, the latter. The former passing away Saturday and the latter passing away Monday. And there also is one 21-year-old woman who is in the hospital in critical condition as well. And uh, there were eight other individuals who were initially taken to the hospital as a result of it. Um, The show was canceled halfway through due to the overcrowding. The police in London are investigating the situation and... So, um, so far there, uh, and they do have, uh, the police are reviewing footage of the situation from, a uh, combination of security cameras and also, uh, cameras from, uh, and also, um, social media footage and body cameras from the police officers. So, um, condolences to those who passed and also, I um, I I am like those families also, and uh, also hoping for the best for everyone who was impacted and uh, by this in any way. That uh, that uh, that's absolutely devastating to hear that, and especially, and I, and I beyond that, I'll discuss this a little bit more when we know 
really what happened about the situation and what caused this. Um, because uh, in this situation in particular, with 3,000 people crashing the, uh, breaking down the doors and getting into the venue, that uh, that is mass. That's massive and not just something to, uh, and not something you can necessarily say uh, is something that was like a security failure or um, a failure of the venue necessarily. That's that. Yeah, that is something uh, that we'll need time to investigate. And uh, so, since the last time I recorded an episode, um, I had discussed one of the last times a little bit about uh, how Kanye had found himself in hot water due to anti-Semitic comments, and well, since then, uh, a lot's definitely developed about, uh, since then, um, the Edis deal dropped, uh, good music was, uh, dropped from, uh, uh, was dropped from Def Jam. Uh, he's been banned from Twitter twice, or kicked off Twitter twice. Um, Pusha T, who was the president of Good Music, has stepped down. Um, or let me rephrase that. He said he's no longer president. I don't know if, I don't necessarily know if it was he stepped down or, uh, because of this or if he had stepped down previously, but. He's no longer affiliated with the label, also. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's. He, yeah, he's, he really has dug himself a big hole. And I think that, um, and look, I mean, absolutely. And I think that for me, I wish I could say, obviously, um, he, that, I wish I could say that, obviously, that's this anti-Semitic language isn't okay, but I don't, but clearly it's not obvious if not only is he say, is he making these kind of uh, disgusting remarks, but also um, he's not the only one making these kind of remarks. And I, and I, um, and I will say also, because I'm, I have heard it brought up also that, um, a point that I think is true also, um, that now a lot of people, there are a lot of people who, um, a lot of companies who have, like, cut ties with Kanye, um, so I guess you could say he is on pace to being canceled, but, uh, he, at the same time, he has made problematic statements in the past, um, and, I mean, it's not just I know there's a lot of people that are acting like these are the first, but, I mean, there were also confer- concerns with, like, his comments related to Kim Kardashian. There were, even in the past, he's made troubling statements related to racism. And I, and I do think, and I'm not really surprised that these comments did hit hard than some other comments that he made. Um, I'm not saying whether they should or not be, um, because that's, um, I don't really want to decide what, I don't want to be the ones deciding what moralities should, uh, 
sh uh, should or shouldn't be pri prioritized, prioritized, but or morals rather, not moralities. Um, but I think, but I know, like, um, uh, it has made me think, like, uh, for instance, about, um, like, for instance, because, um, in the fictional festival series for the 2021 albums, originally I had chosen, uh, originally I had Kanye as a headliner, uh, for that one, and I chose him because I was like, yes, he is controversial, but he still draw a crowd. Ultimately, I removed him because I, uh, because I was worried that something would happen, um, at, with, uh, regarding, uh, his comments related to Kim Kardashian, I was worried that, about that potentially being the precursor to, uh, um, to some sort of, uh, to something that wasn't good. I, I don't even want to speculate about what that could be, um, I was just worried something would happen, and I think even since then, thinking about, like, uh, even, uh, with what's going on since then, I do have a bit of regret for even having him, uh, chosen there, because, I mean, I, like, for instance, um, I wish I had said, like, even back when he made comments, uh, related to slavery being a choice, I wish at that point I had thought, I had realized, no, that's not the best idea, from my moral standpoint, but I, but I know I, for me, I, I didn't in that case. Um, and I know that's ridiculous to, might be ridiculous to think with, related to that because that, because I know the fictional festival series, it, the one word tops it all off. It's fictional, but still, I, it, I've just, in general, I've just been thinking a lot. I was just thinking a lot about, uh, moralities, uh, morality related to that. Um, the next story that I do want to discuss, Gunna, who, uh, was one of the, one of the tw 28 people, uh, associated with, uh, YSL Records who were arrested for racketeering, um, he has been, he's been released from prison, so he accepted a plea deal, um, really to one charge of racketeering, um, he was, so on his Wikipedia page, um, quote, uh, he was sentenced to five years in prison with one year commuted to time served and the rest of the sentence suspended subject to probation conditions, including 500 hours of community service. And, uh, he was ultimately released from jail last week on December 14th. There have been people making allegations related to, uh, snitching, uh, saying that he was snitching in, uh, in regards to the, um, um, in regards to why he was able to get out of jail. I don't know the details behind that, so I don't want to comment on that. Um, but with, but I think it will be interesting to see how he is viewed in that regard. Um, because, uh, because with him in jail, it sat, there were some that were kind of making him out to be a pariah, and but now with if he is being accused of snitching, I wonder because there are other hip hop artists who have uh, well their careers have gone down the drain as a result of snitching. So I wonder what will happen in this regard with him.
Um, next thing that I do briefly want to mention, uh, uh, the trial related to, uh, Tory, uh, related to Tory Lane's allegedly shooting Megan Thee Stallion has begun. Um, there have been, uh, there have been, uh, multiple witnesses so far. Um, I, uh, not going to comment on things within the trial, mainly because I haven't been keeping up with enough related to the individual trial. And I, um, by the time you listen to this, there probably will be more stuff related to the trial that's come out. Um, but the trial's ongoing. Um, I'll, uh, when, uh, I'll dis discuss the verdict when we get closer to a verdict. Um, Another uh, legal one that happened last month, uh, Blueface, who is a hip hop artist, um, he was arrested related for murder. Um, and Blueface also, one thing that I meant to say prior to mentioning that he's arrested for murder, um, he's most known uh, for the song uh, for the song uh, Thotiana. Um, also has some other songs, including uh, Daddy Bleed It. Um, West Coast, Stop the Cap, and, um, and First Class, not to be mixed up with Jack Harlow's First Class, um, and also Outside, and, uh, he's also had some success as a feature artist, and, uh, he's had success with, uh, um, uh, with albums and mixtapes as well, um, he, uh, he uh was arrested for uh uh for a shooting that a murder related to a shooting that happened on October eighth, um. And uh, the preliminary he uh per CNN the pre preliminary hearing is scheduled for January. So as more comes out about that one, I'll discuss that one. And now um, one thing that I, before we continue on, I do just want to, uh, give a bit of a warning here. The next three stories, um, all involve either this, um, either, uh, some form of sexual misconduct or an individual who was accused of sexual misconduct. Uh, I do just want to get, uh, mention that now to give anyone who is listening now that for whatever reason, doesn't matter what the reason is, you don't want to listen to that, no problem. Uh, the opportunity to skip ahead, I would estimate five minutes, maybe a little bit less. Um, but if you hear me discussing Billy Joel, then, uh, um, or Tim Comerford, then, uh, um, then, uh, you've skipped past, then you've skipped past the, the end of me uh, discussing it, because those are the two stories I'm going to be discussing after this, but I do just want to give anyone listening who wants to skip ahead uh, the opportunity to do that, so I'll just give 10 seconds of silence before I do that. Alright, so um, the first story that I do want to mention is related to R. Kelly, um, and this is an I find the story kind of interesting, actually. Um, so, 
new music by R. Kelly was released while in prison. Um, an album called I Admit It. But R. Kelly and the um, R. Kelly's lawyer has denied his has denied it being an authorized release. Um, he uh, R. Kelly himself said that he had nothing to do with the release, and Sony confirms that it's not it's a bootleg release. So um, I so I'll um, it's interesting because this one was leaked, and I. Um, and it was briefly uploaded to Spotify and some other streaming uh, services. It's since been released, but still, I do find that interesting to see that um, it was able to be re- uh, to be on streaming services when, as a bootleg, which usually does not happen because usually that um, for as a release that would be that notable or big, it wouldn't be on streaming services it would be taken down quickly so um i their legal um his legal team's investigating what happened so uh um it wouldn't surprise me if we don't really hear anything out of what happened beyond that um with that case but i do find it a really interesting situation um the next story that i do want to discuss um Backstreet Boys member Nick Carter has been sued uh, for allegedly raping a 17-year-old girl on a tour bus. Um, the accuser has alleged has alleged that um, he gave her alcohol and then sexually assaulted her in 2001. Um, and uh, um, and this isn't the first time that uh he has faced allegations um he previously um there were no legal action to what happened but he was carter previously uh faced uh um fa- uh faced out um allegations in the past um while wasn't prosecuted um so um we'll ultimately see what happens with this one um uh i don't really know too much besides the fact that he's been sued at this time and uh one the last story in uh prior to the billy joel story that i was alluding to um is that uh there, um, so the headline from NPR, more than 500 musicians demand accountability after Juilliard misconduct allegations. So at the Juilliard school, um, two, uh, so, um, there are two, uh, individuals, uh, involved with the school, um, Robert Beezer and, uh, Christopher Rouse, um, two composers, uh, were accused of sexual misconduct um of in i want to say last week yeah sometime last week and uh while um so rouse has passed but beezer has um who was also the chair of the composition department has stepped uh stepped away from teaching um 
and uh, he uh, and so there was a letter and the um, the school um, emailed uh, sent a letter saying that they will be investigating the uh, the matter and uh, due to and um 500 music uh, musicians and individual in classical music had uh, signed an open letter um, discussing the fact that abuse of misconduct was uh, quote a decades long abuse of women in power um, so um, I so we'll I don't know what will happen beyond that um, it wouldn't surprise me if this if this story, if the invest, if after the investigation comes out, there really isn't too much that comes out that is massive news from there, but um, I'll um, but as but as I hear things, I'll discuss them some more on the on the podcast. Now, uh, for next story, uh, Billy Joel, um, he's uh post postponing uh. His uh, Madison Square Garden co- uh, shows um, until, or in particular, his uh, one that he had scheduled, he postponed one that he had scheduled, uh, I don't remember whether it was yesterday or next Monday, but I think it was yesterday um, on the eight, on the 19th. Yeah, it was on the 19th. He postponed his uh, concert due to an illness. Um, it's being rescheduled in June. Um he had a viral infection, and doctors had, uh, had uh, po- po- uh had postponed his shows. Um, he is doing a residency at Madison Square Garden, where he does pl- where he performs one show a month there. Um, so get better soon. Hope you feel better soon. Um, next one that I do want to discuss briefly. Um. Tim Comerford from Rage Against the Machine, their bassist, has um, said that he that uh, he's been fighting prostate con- cancer and actually just had uh, his prostate he had his prostate removed just before their reunion tour. Um, so he has said that so far his uh, cancer um, with uh, um, the, there was good news um, the la- in the last uh, his most recent test results um, so um, still um, hopefully hopefully you can make a full recovery Tim and uh, hoping for the best for you um, one thing that I did actually want to discuss to start the episode and accidentally skipped over um, was that there have been sev- there have been several deaths that I do want to discuss within music since the since the last episode that I recorded um the so I'm gonna focus a little bit longer on a few in particular and then also uh briefly discuss uh briefly mention some other ones that are notable for me um the ones the first one that I do want to discuss in a little bit more depth is uh is takeoff um most known for his work with Migos, um, he uh, he was shot and killed on November first. Um, he uh, it was um, he they were outside a bowling alley in Houston after 
after a party. Um, and, uh, so, um, excuse me, um, there were a couple other individuals who, uh, were, who were also, uh, injured during the shooting, but, um, none of them were life-threatening. Um, my condolences to his family and everyone involved. Uh, I mean, he, I mean, it, that really is just, like, that really is devastating, in my opinion, especially because it's a case of, like, um, it was, it was, um, because, I mean, he, it was literally, like, he did sound like he was just minding his own business, which is, de uh, which is devastating to hear. And a lot of individuals within uh, within the hip hop scene really held him in a high regard, um, which um, especially uh, for like a um, uh, there are like a um, with whether uh, with trap there are uh, trap music there is a lot of artists that uh, a lot of rappers that don't and a lot of people that don't view it in the highest regard but still a lot of people within hip hop were really mourning him and really held him in. Uh, in such a high regard, so, um, uh, so con condolences to everyone, uh, to everyone who knew him, so, uh, uh, everyone knew him, every, uh, family, ev everyone involved with that, that's absolutely devastating. Um, the next one that I do want to discuss is uh Aaron Carter. So um I think cuz Carter um Aaron Carter was um pro I think I was in the so he passed away at the age of 34 um which another one that's so young. Um he uh um he was found dead uh um uh on November 5th. Um yeah, that and the, I think for Aaron Carter, um, probably a lot of people around my age, uh, view uh view him in, uh, in an in 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 an interesting light for uh because he uh, um, because he was like, uh, from like the late nineties to early two thousands, did have a bunch of uh bunch of pop hits that uh were big uh, especially um, among people of my age in that time span uh i because i know in particular his version of i want candy was uh one that was definitely popular for people of my age group um and that's another case like passed away so young that's absolutely devastating um uh, rest in peace and condolences to, um, him and his friends and family as well. Um, the, the next artist that I do want to discuss for a little bit also is, um, is Jerry Lee Lewis. And I think this one, um, this one has always been, uh, I think he, there are certain artists that, um, 
I think that people and individuals that you'll find that uh, it's difficult to just to figure. Um, I don't necessarily want to say figure out really, but to really judge like how they should be remembered because if because uh, I mean in one regard he was one of the most important uh, musicians in rock history um, extremely important for uh, rock's early development especially in the 50s um, he uh, was one of the stars of rockabilly and uh, had crossover from uh um, with uh, rock and country, um, and really was um legendary with his uh stage persona also, and uh was an important uh important in uh um in defining what like the energy and chaos that uh that a rock show can contain. But then at the same time, uh, he married, he was married to his 13 year old second cousin. And at that time, it was controversial. Uh, he, uh, his career really dwindled after that, um, for a little while after that. Um, but, um, so, um, but, I mean, I know that, um, and I know that there will be people who say, who will, um, say it's ridiculous for me to still say, well, that I can't necessarily view him in the, um, in the same light that I, or in the same light just because he, uh, just because, um, he married someone way underage and, uh, Especially when that uh, actions like that were not uncommon at that time. Not uh, especially in I know in rock music in particular. Historically, there have been several individuals who had um, uh, don't know the right word necessarily, but uh, in some cases marriages, in some cases affairs, um, in some cases misconduct with uh individuals who were um under the age of 18 but still i don't necessarily but still i mean just because they, that happened i don't feel like we can say that uh that is okay um so ultimately i ultimately that's the situation where i don't know how I should be viewing his legacy. Um, condolences to his loved ones um, and friends and family. Well, um, one other musician that I did want to uh, that I did want to discuss who passed away. Um, Christine McVie um, passed away on November thirtieth. She was one of the members of Fleetwood Mac. She was keyboardist and one of the vo their vocalists. Um, she, uh, um, she did some, uh, she joined the band in 1970 and, um, was, uh, 
and was a really important member of the group. Uh, she, um, um, she had written a bunch of, she either wrote or co-wrote a bunch of their songs that were popular. Um, most notably their, um, she was the writer of their song, Don't Stop. Um, and then she also wrote some of their other hits, including in particular Everywhere and, uh, Little Lies. Um, she, she was definitely a really important member of the group. Um, was, is a, was a really skilled musician. Um, and, um, also found some success, uh, with solo releases as well. Um, and with other releases. Um, and really, I, um, really was a skilled musician who, in my opinion, was underrated because with the group Fleetwood Mac, how many notable names they had in the group. Um, so, um, re uh, rest in peace, condolences to her and her family. Um, I do just want to do a brief run through also of some other artists who have passed away since then and are, have some sort of note. Um, these ones will be shorter. That doesn't mean that their death, that their deaths are not as important by any means. Um, I just only, I just wanted to focus on a few of uh, the first few for longer details, but did want to acknowledge some other ones as well. Um, so in October, two other artists that have passed away, um, since the last time I discussed musician deaths, um, DH Pellegro, um, who, uh, was drummer for a bunch of bands, most notably in punk music, uh, he was drummer for Dead Kennedys and also Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, Patrick Haggerty, um, on Pellegro passed away at 63, Haggerty passed away at 78, um, he was, uh, the frontman of Lavender Country, which, uh, was one of the first notable country LGBTQ plus groups in particular, uh, they were more focused on gay lyrics in particular, um, and he was a major focus of that. Um, he passed away at the age of 78. Um, Joseph Tarcia, um, who was a recording engineer and also owned a Sigma Sound Studio, he passed away at the age of 88. Um, Tyrone Downey, who was a keyboardist who was most known as one of the members of the Whalers, he passed away at 66. Um, Mimi Parker, uh, she was a uh, uh, singer and drummer, most known for her work with the band Low. Um, she passed away in November. Um, Keith Levine, uh, he was a he was a guitarist for a bunch of punk and post-punk bands, uh, most notably um, post Public Image, Ltd, and um, as well have. Ten, uh, brief tenure with the clash as well he passed away at the age of 65 um gene Cipri uh, cipriano um he uh was one of the members of the legendary wrecking crew um which uh contained some of the most uh, some really notable uh and some incredibly notable music uh musicians uh as one of the more notable session musicians. Um, he, uh, he passed away at the age of 88. He was 
played several instruments, uh, mainly woodwind-based instruments, uh, most uh, and reed-based instruments, most notably clarophone, saxophone, oboe, and flute. Um, and also the Wrecking Crew was, um, I should emphasize also, they were on, um, they were on, they performed on, uh, several hit songs in the 60s and 70s, um, and, uh, and then, let's see, Irene Cara, um, also passed, uh, she passed away at the age of 63. Her most known song, uh, was the massive hit, Flashdance. Um, and then, uh, Louis Tobin passed away at the age of 104. Um, she was a jazz vocalist, uh, that had a bunch, she had a few jazz hits. Um, her most known one uh, was there'll be some changes made, uh, which she had perform. Uh, she performed with Benny Goodman's band, um, and then uh, Jake Flint. Uh, he was a country. He was a country musician. Uh, he passed away. This one's really sad, in my opinion. He passed away at the age of thirty-seven, just hours after he got married. Um, so that's my condolences to his. Uh, I mean, to his now widow. Um, after that, that's that's really devastating. He passed away to um in his sleep, uh, not long after getting married. Um, and then a few others. Uh, Manuel Gottsting, Gottsting, Gottsting. Uh, excuse me. Um, he, um. He was a synth player, uh, synth uh, synth player. Um, really did a lot of uh, was really important with a lot of German uh, electronic music uh, early on. Especially um, was uh, most known for his work with Astra and Astra Temple. Um, really important synth player and guitarist. Really skilled musician. Um, Herbert Deutsch, uh, what um passed away at the age of ninety and Gottsting uh passed away at the age of seventy I didn't mention but uh Deutsch uh he was one of the he was a composer who was uh one of the co inventors of the Moog synthesizer, um, which really was a crucial aspect um in the development of electronic music and really I would say electronic music as a whole, not just as we know it, probably wouldn't exist today if it wasn't for that um Bertha Barbara McNeil or Barbie McNeil excuse me um she passed away at the age of 82 she is this R&B singer who was most known for her work with uh the Velvetettes um they they were, were uh so I don't think that they're still active uh um yeah, no, they're not active now, so I could say were. Um, they uh, they had a they had a few hits uh in R and B in R and B music, uh in the '60s. They were a girl group, uh, an R and B girl group, vocal girl group in that span. Um, I, their uh, most known song was the song "Needle in the Haystack," and uh, lastly. Um, cause I'm recording this on the 20th, just yesterday, Terry Hall passed away. He was, uh, 
notable name in it with a bunch of ska and new wave groups uh, in particular, most known as the vocalist of the specials. Um, also was involved in several other groups, including the Colorfields, Fun Boy 3, and some others. Um, he passed away at the age of 63. So rest in peace to all those individuals and condolences to all their families that's um whatever age that's at that's uh it absolutely is difficult when obviously difficult when someone dies uh no matter the scenario um but i did even though i did go through the, those individuals a little bit shorter i did still want to at least at the minimum acknowledge those individuals um so Next up, we got uh, two interesting ones related to Bad Bunny. Um, one is uh, one is cool. One is interesting and odd. So um, the cool one is that uh, Bad um, is that uh, Bad Bunny uh, is the album that he releases here. Un Un Verano Sinti. Uh, was ended up talk, topping the Billboard end of year Billboard 200 charts, which is the first time a Spanish language album has chopped topped the charts, which is really cool to see, to see that. Um, uh, really neat to see and uh, um, a new um, a new one like that. Um, and then he also uh topped the he also was named the top artist. Um. So, um, on the Billboard charts, um, and some other year-end charts, just to acknowledge those ones. For the top 100 songs, the number one was Heat Waves by Glass Animals. Um, for Billboard Global 200, number one was As It Was by Harry Styles. Uh, and then for some other notable ones, uh, t um, top artist duo slash group was Glass Animals. Top artist female was Taylor Swift. Top artist male was Bad Bunny. Top new artist was Lotto, um, and uh, um, and then top label was Republic. Um, so congratulations to all those. I did think it was really cool to see with Bad Bunny um, with that milestone. And then another one that relates to Bad Bunny, which is a little bit weirder. The headline from NPR here, just the headline alone is odd. After a Ticketmaster snafu, Me Mexico's president asks Bad Bunny to hold a free concert. So what happened was uh, Ticketmaster, uh, yeah, which we'll get to uh, the other when because Ticketmaster says because uh, um, the article does I believe does make reference to. Uh, a different snafu with Ticketmaster that uh, we'll get to shortly um, related to Taylor Swift um, and her concert. So uh, they, um, so they, what happened was he uh, he was doing some shows in Mexico and uh, they. Uh, Apparently, um, the, for the last two shows, there were, um, there were reportedly more than a thousand tickets, like, um, there were reportedly between two shows, 
1,710 tickets that uh, were denied um, because they were told that the tickets weren't valid. And apparently, um, uh, um, and there's like different reasons as to what happened. Uh, they said that, uh, Ticketmaster Mexico said that, uh, they quote, detected cases of duplication and or falsification of tickets. Uh, Mexican regulators apparently, uh, said that Ticketmaster had oversold the tickets, um, but even still, the fact that they were still, the, the company itself still issued the, um, um, still issued the tickets even when they were, uh, can, um, doing that, uh, and also, um, Ticketmaster Mexico has also denied, uh, allegations of overselling, um, the, uh, so, that, um, so, I'm wondering, uh, so we could see legal action from that, um, this one just, this one's still a bit of a developing story also, this one came out recently, um, and Mexico's president has, uh, called, um, has, um, has called for him to, uh, to perform for free, uh, saying that the government would cover, uh, would cover the expenses of the show. Um, though it is worth noting that, uh, bad, uh, that bad bunny has said that he, um, plans to take a break this upcoming year for music saying that he is quote overworked and tired. So, um, we'll see what happens beyond this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there is our lawsuits filed for this related to this. Um, now, another one that I do just want to get to brief, excuse me, briefly, uh, last month the Latin Grammys occurred, and two in particular that I want to mention, um, so, uh, Rosalia won the album, the, won the award for, uh, the Latin Grammy Award for Album of the Year, um, with her album, uh, Motomami, uh, that's, so, that win makes her the first artist to, uh, wind up winning, or to win that award more than once. So, congratulations to her. That's really cool. Um, and, uh, there are, and for the, another one that's interesting with that one, the first, uh, for the first time ever in Latin Grammy history, there were two artists to win Best New Artist. Uh, one of them being Silvana Estrada, and the other one being, uh, Angelia Alvarez, who is actually a 95-year-old woman who is the oldest person to receive the award. Congratulations to both of them, and congratulations to everyone who was nominated and, in particular, won an award at that one. That's really exciting for them. Uh, the next one that I do want to mention, uh, so, uh, recently, um, at a Guns and at a Guns N' Roses show, um, Axl Rose, uh, threw, um, Mike at, into the air at the end of the show, and, uh, it ended up hitting a fan and hurting a fan. Um, so he's released a statement saying, uh, I'm not going to read the whole statement because it is long. Um, he did say that he had been doing it for 30 years and, 
and that fans have seemed to always be excited to um, and aware that it was happening to catch the mic. Um, and he said that um, that they would uh, that they would refrain from uh, throwing anything into the air um, into the air related to uh, to that. And that that makes sense. I mean, in that ca- uh, and I mean, I think that admittedly, I'm kind of thinking of it in the light where uh, with throwing things in the crowd, where I'm still thinking, well, you know, um, certain things that are heavy might not be the best thing, especially because I'm thinking of uh, the show when uh, Ronnie Radke just um, ended uh, falling in reverse show by throwing three mic stands into the crowd. That one was just plain stupid, in my opinion. But this one, um, I can get, I get the, um, it is a lot lighter, obviously, because it wasn't like he was throwing the whole stand in the crowd. He was just throwing the mic. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think that in that case, it wouldn't surprise me if they refrained from doing it for a little bit, um, uh, out of fear of litigation. Um, it wouldn't surprise, and for those fans that are like, oh no, it's, ca- uh, this is, now you're trying to cancel Axl Rose. I expect that. It, it went, I wouldn't be surprised if, at some point within the next year or two, he's throwing the he's throwing the mic in the crowd again. Just he's signal either saying he's going to or he's going to signal to the crowd that he's going to. It wouldn't surprise me if that happens. Um, now, um, actually, I was going to save this one for last, but no, I will save that one for last. I'll discuss Taylor Swift first. So. Um, I want, the main reason I'm breaking this up into two episodes was because I want to spend a little bit of time discussing, um, everything that happened with the, um, Ticketmaster ticket sales for, uh, um, with Live Nation. So, uh, this... This is a, this is just such a weird situation. So, um, for, um, so apparently what, um, wait, they, when they, when Taylor Swift announced her tour, the tickets went on sale and the site crashed and it was just a total train wreck. Um, what, uh, and ultimately, um, they pulled the ticket sales. Um, they still have a hundred seventy thousand tickets remain over a hundred thousand seventy thousand remaining tickets for her tour. Um, Ticketmaster is currently being sued by a bunch of fans, um, and also they're be- um, being investigated for uh, um, for related to uh. For uh for antitrust violations, and I here's the thing with that though, um, I mean I've been saying for a while. I, I don't know technically legally if they fall under the if t- Ticketmaster fails under the category of uh of a monopoly, but I mean. I don't know how more red flags weren't raised when Ticketmaster purchased Live Nation. To me, that that's like 
<laughs> that would be like if suddenly, um, that'd be like the epitome of if Costco buys BJ's, for instance. I don't know. Actually, now that I say that, I don't know if B, uh, BJ's might not be as worldwide known as, uh, so maybe that might be more just Northeast, but uh, it's usually in the Northeast. Um, uh, it would, um, but yeah, it'd be like, that, I mean, there, there were two massive companies and, and I mean, in my opinion, that should have probably been a red flag with that. Um, so ultimately, um, well, I don't fully know what happened related to it. It wouldn't surprise me if Ticketmaster just told, I'm guessing that Ticketmaster just didn't, uh, didn't anticipate this number of individuals trying to buy the t uh, trying to buy the tickets, which is pretty poor planning because um, Taylor Swift is one of the biggest artists in the world right now, and I'm, I'm not going to say she is the biggest artist because um, I if I say that then if I were to say that then me myself in particular would be thinking, well you know. Um, Bad Bunny might have a stake to that claim. Um, it, uh, I don't know how, I, I just don't get, get how that, uh, how is that poorly planned. And this Ticketmaster has already dealt, had, like, and, um, have had multiple, thi multiple issues already in the past with, uh, with some other things, in, with long wait lines, um, Ticket prices being changed, which, uh, in, uh, which actually, um, leads us to another issue, which is, uh, the, that I forgot to write down as a topic that I wanted to discuss, which is the Blink-182 ticket sales. Um, and, uh, I've guessed that these two tie in together, um, and also with ticket scalping, where with a bunch of ours, like in particular tool had a lot of their shows have had some terrible tickets, scal uh, ticket scalping. My chemical romance Ticketmaster claimed to, uh, have found a way to limit ticket scalping. And what happens pretty much immediately, uh, there's ticket scalping going on. Um, yeah, it, um, I mean, with the blink Y two situation, um, after they reunited, the prices were, fluctuating like crazy and kept rising um i'll actually discuss that one separately in just a second um and the reason that that one was such a big deal was because um uh tom DeLong, the um the uh original uh, i want to say original vocalist if not uh yeah he was the original vocalist of the group had uh re had rejoined the group uh the group um, but, um, with, but with the, the Taylor Swift situation, it was, I do think it was really poorly planned, and, um, also it's interesting, because now there's also reports coming out, um, like the New York Post has the headline, uh, IRS will go after t Taylor Swift t uh, concert ticket scalpers, which is... <laughs> really intriguing um and uh that the government is getting so involved with that but um apparently the um 
Um, um, apparently there are, um, uh, apparently that's because of, uh, law that had been passed, uh, recently related to transactions done by third-party vendors. Um, um, yeah, this, uh, this whole situation is insane. Um, I, um, I, honest, I, I don't know what's going to... I don't expect too much is going to come from that from the Ticketmaster side. Um, and a big reason for that is because I felt the same way with Live Nation after Astro the Astro World Festival, where um, a f where they managed to avoid pretty much any blame despite a congressional hearing. Um, and a big part of that was uh, by publicity from their side, um, where... Uh, even though they were the organizers along with Travis Scott, they kind of distanced themselves from it. Travis Scott, the face of it, and then they, and they were still able to run the When We Were Young Fest, which in the part two of this of the this episode, I'm going to discuss that one in more depth. Uh, because I haven't done that one yet since it occurred, um, and I I do want to. So, um, ultimately, right now I. Don't know what's gonna happen. It wouldn't surprise me if, uh, with the um, it. I'll be honest. It wouldn't surprise me too much if nothing happens with the lawsuit that Ticketmaster is facing. Maybe if anything, maybe they'll settle. But I don't. I don't see it going to trial and Ticketmaster losing. Um. That's. And I mean, especially I could see them being willing to settle since I believe it's in the 20s for the number of people who are suing them. I don't have that number in front of me, but uh, yeah, I can't find it in front of me. I want to say it was 24 to Yeah, um, at least, uh, so far, um, there have been in the 20s, or there are more, more than a couple dozen that have, uh, that have been suing or so like, or that's suing Ticketmaster, rather, so it's a class action lawsuit. Um, I'm, yeah, that's not that surprising. Um, I think that, I guess the only, the main case where if you are Ticketmaster, the main case that you could say in your favor, in my opinion, would be the fact that them arguing that this one is a pre that that was a pre-sale which was the reason that they misjudged how many people were do uh doing that that's my best guess honestly i yeah i i don't know otherwise it's a really weird it's a really weird situation um and i and I do wonder ultimately um, what this could mean long term. With uh, I, I guess one logical thing is to think like, what does this mean long term with venues doing a uh, work with Ticketmaster? 
I don't see that changing too much, honestly. I think that, uh, I think that the fact that, uh, that Ticketmaster is such a massive, uh, source for ticket purchases, um, I think that, and for, uh, ticket sales in particular, rather, and a lot of massive venues have partnered with them, I think that will make it difficult to necessarily break from their partnership considering that Ticketmaster is by far the biggest affiliate in that regard and there um some a lot of smaller venues don't do stuff through Ticketmaster so they went so in that case you could say well what do they use a lot of those kind of a lot of those ones companies aren't as major and probably wouldn't be doing that you'd uh, a lot of the venues would have to enter new contracts with them and uh so that would also be a bit uh messy to have to break their contract for this um and you could say at the end of their contracts could they might they not renew um i don't think that in, in the other options would be at this point that they would have to do a go with a, ven a vendor that isn't as major and might and who knows if they would be able to support that kind of traffic or a vendor that's not as well known which uh would be unideal for the venues um or if they were doing it if the venue was doing it straight through their site then they would have then that would be uh that would be a really expensive overhaul to have to deal with, and a lot of venues probably just wouldn't think it's worth it for all those. And that's why I've said that I have that, and that's why I've always felt that, or maybe not always felt, but for a while I felt that I was so always surprised that uh, that Ticketmaster wasn't uh, investigated as for being a monopoly, violating antitrust laws prior, so um, much more prior. So. We'll see what happens with this. Ultimately, I really don't know what's going to happen. I don't expect too much will happen with the antitrust investigations. Um, because, I mean, they're they're not going to... They're not going to... Like, Ticketmaster is not going to be, like, shut down or broken up uh, with that. Um, and then, in terms of the lawsuit, I'd be surprised if... Uh, I'd be surprised if there wasn't a settlement and i think that will that feeds us seamlessly into a discussion a brief discussion related to the blink 182 ticket sales so a lot of fans were mad um and annoyed about the fact that uh ticket prices for blink 182 uh first off were high in general second off were rising during the sales and, I mean, that's understandable to be mad about that. That kind of stinks, you know? You uh, find out that tickets are valued at one price, and then you find out that they keep rising. Um, from a... So, because I have a source that will remain anonymous from a major venue that will also remain anonymous that does several concerts. Um, and with, like, no really notable artists. And, uh... That, and with that, and I also know another source that have another source that will remain anonymous that works with a company who does ho that 
with that has a venue that has hotels, which that venue will also remain anonymous. And, um, or let me rephrase that not the venue that has hotels. They do work with the hotel, with hotels at, uh, at a hotel for a hotel place. Um, and, um, with all the, all the work that I'm just like alluding to with it, they do, uh, the work being done with the, for those individuals actually is some back end work, which does look at, uh, the, um, like different things related to pricing and, uh, pricing for hotels, concert tickets, etc., and, uh, determining what, uh, the finances on the back end related to that. So, and, but, uh, these individuals told me that this is commonplace, um, that, uh, typically you will see a lot of times price, uh, pricing dynamic fluctuate. And a lot of that is related to supply and demand for the hotel rooms in particular. Uh, if they find that they're running low on hotel rooms, they'll raise the price of the hotel room. So then fewer people will try to buy them. If, they need some hotel rooms filled, they'll start lowering the prices and they'll adjust, um, even during the day, like just suddenly during the day. And there have been two examples where, and the same thing with concert tickets, there have been two examples where, um, I went to buy concert tickets and, uh, the price, both the, in this case, it worked out well for me. Both prices suddenly lowered. Um, there were like when I saw dream, dream theater and when I saw Deftones, there were some, uh, ticket, there were, um, there were, uh, some, uh, because there were still tickets available, enough tickets available either day of show, day before show, that the ticket prices dropped by $10, which worked out well for me. Um, but then, uh, in this case, normally it's not as common to see the, um, the price fluctuate like this during the day, during the first day of ticket sales, but it can't happen. Um, and really the mindset behind that from the, from the, uh, with the sales is that, Hey, we can make mo more money off this. Um, so they, because they figured that the demand was so insane that there would be people that would pay like $10 more, $20 more, in some cases, hundreds of dollars more. So, um, that was a big reason why that all changed. Um, just, just some simple economics. Um, normally you don't see that much fluctuation, but I'm what I, my best guess is that they probably is that, um, my best guess is that there was, um, some underestimation with the with the tickets prices. And I will say also this, that you, um, saw, um, another one that I don't remember what, who, what musician it was, but one musician had said something along the lines of, while people were criticizing about Ticketmaster doing that, um, saying that the, saying that they should also criticize the artists for making their tickets so expensive. I do just want to say that, um, especially from talking to the source that, works at the that unknown uh venue that has concerts or i mean i'm sorry unknown venue un um unnamed venue that has concerts um 
and I'm and not revealing the details about the venue or the source just because um it's sensitive information um with the company but uh they uh they had told me actually that it's that the artists themselves for most artists maybe massive artists may have some say with this but most artists really don't have a ton of say with the price of the tickets because realistically i mean you could say for instance that uh I mean, for uh, I mean, you could argue that well, maybe an artist should say cap the price at this amount. Well, if they say that, like for instance, let's say, oh yeah, cap this, cap the price for Blink One Eight Two at a hundred dollars or fifty dollars, whatever. There'll be venues that just won't, won't that won't book them because they'll say it's not profitable enough. Um, realistically, it's a combination of Ticketmaster and the venue itself that would have more control over that. A lot of times, Ticketmaster is, uh, or Ticketmaster overall, a lot of times will have the set price, but a lot of times the venue does, um, some of the venues will do, uh, minor amounts of fluctuation, um, and that's why, like, for instance, uh, at different venues, you'll see, you might see, uh, prices being different at different venues, um, a lot of times that is the supply and demand of it, or how close it is to the concert also, um, because uh, one example at the top of my head was that uh, for one of Tool's tours, uh, the tickets for um, at the at a venue in Boston, I think TD Garden was a uh, I want to say forty dollars more expensive than tickets at um what venue was I want to say UBS Arena, um so that's so with that kind of stuff that's it really is just comes down to some economics with that. Um, I know there was a lot of doom and gloom in this episode, so, uh, let's end on a fun little up, uh, one. Um, and for this fun little one, um, Mariah Carey, uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. Her, that, uh, has, uh, topped the Billboard 100 again. And this is the 10th week that it's been number one of the Billboard 100. And now, this is interesting because it she is now the third artist overall and first woman to have three songs that were number one for for a de for at least 10 weeks. Um, the other two artists who did were uh, Drake and Boys to Men, and uh, her songs that did uh, were... In the, in the uh, 95 and 96, One Sweet Day, and then I want to say 2005, um, We Belong Together. Um, one Sweet Day was at number one for 16 weeks, and We Belong Together was at number one for 14 weeks. So congratulations to her. That's a cool accomplishment. Um, and that's it for this episode. I'll be back with, I'm not sure whether I'm going to record this part two tomorrow or the next day. Um, but sometime in the next few days, I'll also have part two of this episode recorded, and there will be a bunch that will be discussing this that episode, including the When We Were Young Fest, um, a bunch of music festivals, uh, some, uh, so, uh, some, th uh, some things related to a story related to backing tracks, some music business stuff, some stage antic stuff, a retirement. 
Um, another another uh, spoken essay, and uh, a similarity between death metal and bats. So be sure to check out that episode. That's going to be coming out soon. A lot of fun stuff being discussed in that one. Um, I'm still excited about the death metal and bats comparison. Discuss that because it's hilarious. Um, and uh, be sure to like the Facebook page for grouping for grouping harmony as well as the Facebook page for Is Baller trademarked yet? Check out the blogs for feeling groupy and Is Baller trademarked yet? And one last thing also is that part two. There's a chance that this that might be the last actual podcast episode released prior to the end of the year. Um, the reason for the if that happens, the reason for that is just because for me work is absolutely insane and end of year. So if that happens, that's why. Um, but I hope to have I'll I'll try to have one other episode recorded prior to end of the year. But um, I'll but either way. Um, well, I'll have another episode coming out soon, and I'll talk to you then. Bye!